This is an ECU Ready Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today's episode of the podcast. My name is Lamar Gilchrist and I'm your host. Today's episode we will be speaking to Serena Mooney about her research and what it's like being a woman in a mostly male STEM field. We will then be talking to Julie Carey about her work teaching science at the Boys and Girls Club. And lastly, we will be talking to Dr. April Reed about her girls in STEM camps and her experiences being in STEM for the last 20 years. Hope you enjoy. More and more women are earning degrees at universities across the nation, totaling 57% of all undergraduate degree recipients since 1990. However, the progress women have seen in business, law, and communication sectors hasn't been replicated in the fields of science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. For its part, ECU is doing what it can to nurture interest in STEM activities in its female student demographic. During the 2018-19 academic year, the university funded 50 female researchers through its Undergraduate Research and Creative Activity Awards, with many in the STEM and biomedical science fields. I had a chance to sit down with one of those ERCO recipients, Serena Mooney, to learn about her experiences as a female undergraduate in STEM at ECU. Serena is a senior at ECU, majoring in public health and international studies. Serena, thank you for taking the time to meet with me today. Yeah, of course. So, Serena, how did you get interested in public health? Uh, So, when I came to ECU, um, I had an idea that I wanted to go to medical school. I just wasn't sure what major to pick. Um, I really loved biology in high school, but I wanted something more practical and applicable to medicine. And so, I talked to a couple people, and I came across public health. Um, And, you know, originally when I picked it, I really thought I would just be studying like epidemiology and like diseases but it's really much more than that Um, it's learning about the health of communities and patient education and I really just love it because it's definitely that practical and applicable approach to medicine that I was looking for you said you took biology classes in high school did you notice that you were often one of the few girls that were in the class Yeah, so um, in addition to being like one of the only few girls in the class, I was also one of the youngest in the class, so it was kind of hard to like fit in. I had to make friends with a lot of the older students, but um, the few girls that were in the class, we did like stick together, so it was really nice to have that community, I guess. So do you think that community made it easier for you so that you didn't feel completely alone in the program? Definitely, and our high school biology teacher was actually a a woman as well so that was cool to see um someone in a higher position uh teaching someone biology exactly when you got to ecu did you notice that it was more of the same that you'd been through in high school or did you find there were more women going into the fields that you were into in public health a lot of my professors have been women so that's really nice to see um in my basic science courses that i have to take for medical school prereqs a lot of my teachers have been men um even the research lab that i work in me and the other undergraduate students are the only girls in the lab um but even with that i'm glad that the environment that i'm in at work is inclusive and they don't really treat me any different because i'm a girl how much do you think the stem fields have changed to be more inclusive now since you've been in them definitely see more women i think in the fields of medicine and public health especially um i think i read a stat that in the field of medicine there's i think like 
more than half are women. And so I'm glad that that's changing. Um, my dad is a physician as well. And so um, when he talks about his med school experience, I know it was completely different than it is now. So it's good to see that there are more people like me going into the field that I want to. And what was your dad's experience of coming through the STEM fields like then? So my dad grew up in Zambia um, and he attended medical school there and then he finished his residency here at ECU. Um, and so the training was completely different. Um, he, he said it was mostly a male class. Um, there weren't as many like patient laws and things as there were now. Um, and even when he got to his residency here, it was pretty much the same in terms of like male to female ratio. So, um, yeah. So can you tell me a little bit about the research that you're doing? So I'm working on my own project right now, which is exciting. Um, I work in a lab that focuses on skeletal muscle physiology and we discovered that there is a tiny muscle in the foot um, called the flexor digitorum brevis, and this muscle still functions under low oxygen conditions, which is unlike any of the other muscles in the body. And so what I'm trying to do is map out how that muscle functions um, by looking at its mitochondria. And so if we can figure out how the muscle works under low oxygen conditions, then maybe we can apply it um, to other muscles, kind of maybe create some therapies um, for patients who experience ischemia um, after a heart attack or stroke or things like that. Do you think you'll have solid results soon, or do you think that this is going to be a longer research project? So I've been working on this since, I think, last summer, and we have definitely run into a couple of obstacles, which has pushed us, but I really think we'll be able to get some good data by the time I graduate. And how far do you think this discovery in your research will be able to go? So we're hoping that with this information, um, for the people that do suffer ischemic attacks, it could provide a therapy that could, I guess, give the physicians more time to create a comprehensive plan. Um, because if we slow down that rate of tissue that death, um, it'd be useful. So are you planning on staying in Greenville and practicing medicine after you graduate? Yeah, so I am currently going through the med school application process, which is so rough. Um, but I am applying to schools regionally um, just because I want to stay close to home. Um, so North Carolina, Virginia, South Carolina. Um, but I definitely see myself coming back here or somewhere in North Carolina um, just because it's home. And I love working with the patient population here. Um, so right now I'm currently interested in primary care, uh, leaning towards geriatrics, so working with older people. Um, and I could definitely see myself coming back and working with um, more of the underserved populations here. Well, thank you very much for your time today, Serena. I really appreciate it. Thank you. One of the ways to get students interested in STEM fields is to reach them at an early age. Unfortunately, in eastern North Carolina, it can be difficult to access programs and camps focused on STEM activities. While programs are available nationwide that focus on STEM education, a 2018 report released by the Government Accountability Office found that many of these programs had no performance evaluation or oversight, leaving the responsibility up to the individual instructors. 
Julie Carey, Boys and Girls Club of the Coastal Plain Vice President of Program Initiatives, knows the value of teaching students about science, technology, engineering, and mathematics as soon as possible. Julie, thank you for joining us today. Do you think a lack of specialized teaching has affected how female students approach STEM fields? I think anything that we can do to expose girls to areas that are underrepresented for them, to help them see themselves there, to find some women or girls that are interested in those those areas and show them that this is a pathway for you. It's not just specifically for boys or whatever demographic we're looking at, but I just think it's the lack of exposure, the lack of knowledge um, that these careers even exist for girls and then trying to find ways to customize their interest and in giving them opportunities um, to explore, have opportunities to see if that is even something that they would want to do. Part of my job with the Boys and Girls Clubs, because uh, we're in seven counties in eastern North Carolina, we have 17 clubs. We serve uh, youth ages 6 to 18 in all of our clubs, and I'm tasked with the um, uh, job of going in and trying to find opportunities uh, for our girls to be exposed to these types of things, going in and trying to find ways to expose all of our middle and high school kids to opportunities that may not necessarily be on their radar or even within their own bubble that they live in um, and I think it all goes back to third fourth and fifth grade really not having that foundation for science um, I remember being a middle school principal and I remember my middle school teachers that taught sixth grade science were like what's happened in elementary school these kids are coming and they don't have the basic knowledge that they need to really take what we've got now in middle school science and really take it to the next level and I think if our kids could enter middle school with a better um, repertoire of of experience and exposure to so many different things then we could do more with our kids once they get into middle school and then as a high school principal my ninth grade science teachers are like what are they doing in middle school because these kids aren't coming with what they need and I think it all goes back to the limited exposure they've had with some engaging hands-on activities that really give them that um, experience to see is this something that I really enjoy or I can see myself doing. And how did you get involved with the Boys and Girls Club? Well I retired retired from Pitt County Schools in 2016 and um, I was approached um, about coming in and working with programming from some of the um, uh, board members that were also affiliated with Pitt County Schools. We had created some really awesome opportunities at South Central High School where I was principal in innovation and human-centered design and really thinking out of the box and having kids be the director of their own learning in some of our classes rather than teacher-directed uh, learning. Um, we moved more towards you know teacher-facilitated learning and, and having kids have a voice in what they're doing. And um, some of the board members wanted that same type of thing for the programming going on at the Boys and Girls Club. So I was asked to join the team in 2016 and I took a couple of months off um, before I started um, with the Boys and Girls Club and my primary focus has been working with our middle and high school youth um, and the staff members that work with our middle and high school youth to help guide and direct programming as it relates to career readiness, workforce development, 
um, careers in STEM fields, connecting with our community colleges to ensure that our kids have that as a viable option because there's some awesome opportunities at our community colleges. That's really where the skill skill gap is. We have a lot of kids graduating with four-year degrees, um, but we really need um, uh, youth in, exposed to the opportunities that the community college provides. Not all kids want to go to a four-year school, but we're pushing them in that direction. Um, and then helping them see that, you know, if you play your cards right as you're going through high school, you can have dual enrollment classes. So you're taking classes at, PC, at, at your community college as well as your high school and graduate well, well poised and well suited to continue um, in different areas of, of, of interest that where you can actually find a job. So having this this role with the Boys and Girls Club has just been an awesome fit for me um, and for my skill set um, in trying to develop partnerships with community members. Uh, we don't have the expertise within our clubs for science types of um, uh, or STEM uh, instruction or exposure. And so it's connecting with the folks in the community that really um, have a passion for what they're doing doing and creating opportunities for our kids so um, we connect with the community colleges we have a wonderful relationship with East Carolina University a lot of the different science centers around um, the area with us being in seven counties you know that's from Carteret County all the way up to Martin County and so there's a wide diversity within the counties that we serve and I try real hard to customize what we're trying to do for each of our kids in the counties that they're in, um, what we do in Carteret County is not going to work in Martin County, and what works in Pitt County won't work in Greene or Lenore County. So we're trying our best, I'm trying our best to be sure to, to focus in on the needs that um, each of those communities face and trying to find ways to help our youth uh, overcome some of the challenges that they face by exposure to what's possible. I remember in high school, a lot of times there'd be one science class that was really hard and it would just make a lot of people give up on science altogether because they would think, well, maybe science just isn't for me. And that you don't have an evaluation hanging over your head. So let me, you know, I've taught you this, so now let me assess you and see. So, you know, read this test and choose A, B, C, or D, where I think it needs to be more performance-based, more, you know, mastery of skills versus either you failed or you didn't um, or you did well. And I just think the structure in which we have is just not set up very well for kids to um, flourish and do well. But like you said, you know, you go in and you're taking chemistry, for example. Good Lord, you've, you've really hit that. That's a tough one for a lot of folks. Either you love chemistry, you love biology, but, you know, you, you don't know, um, you know, which direction to go in sometimes. But um, I just really think that uh, through our opportunities that we have with um, – the Boys and Girls Club, we've got the wonderful platform to be a catalyst for change and expose these these kids, especially our girls in STEM, uh, to help them, give them the confidence and help them see that, yes, they can go in that direction. You know, I noticed you've spoken with uh, Dr. April Reed, and we're partnering with her this summer, you know, the um, College of Business um, through the Management Information Systems. You know, we're having a coding and programming camp um, for our girls in middle and high school. What a wonderful opportunity for these kids. So if we have, you know, 24 girls to participate and you've got some of them saying, oh, this is not what I want to do, and then you have some that say, this is, oh, man, this is it. I love this. 
um, that's what I want, either yes or no, you know, for the experiences. But that's one thing they can either mark off their list that that's not something that I'm interested in or I may like this aspect of it. But they need to try to figure out some things and have that exposure. Um, and I'm so grateful for partners like Dr. Reed um, who are willing to work with us and provide these opportunities for our kids. Why is teaching science to kids so important to you? Well, I, I just think that um, we've got to help our kids understand that that's where it is now. You know, science and technology and engineering and math and even the arts, um, innovation and design, all of those things are not uh, formally taught, I think, in schools. You know, being a principal and going in and evaluating teachers, we're so bound by the curriculum that we teach. Um, and we are assessed on that curriculum that we teach that uh, we don't give kids an opportunity to just be creative and and do the fun things that they enjoy I know you shared with me that you're doing film you know and that's something that you're interested in I guess my question to you would be what kind of opportunities did you have in school to be able to do that none and so we've got to sort of restructure and find a way to uh, allow kids to have time to be creative, to explore things that they're interested in. Um, and um, when they do that, then that passion develops for what it is that they want to do, and that sort of creates that pathway for them. Teaching math all day long is not going to do that. Teaching reading all day long is not going to do that. Teaching English all day, uh, social studies all day. Those things help round, your, round you out and help you understand uh, lots of different things. But the day-to-day -day world in which we're in right now, um, our kids need to have critical thinking. They need to be able to problem solve. They need to be able to work in groups. Life is not a multiple choice, pick A, B, C, or D. You know, eliminate the best answer. And we have, we have kids that need to figure out some things and we're not preparing them with that critical thinking, that deep thinking that they need to solve problems on their own. And um, so I'm very passionate about that because we are doing a disservice to these kids that are coming out because when you talk to people that are hiring people, they want critical thinkers, problem solvers, people that can work great in groups. We need kids that can come in. I can train you as a, a business or an industry partner on the specifics of the job, but I need you walking in with a good work ethic. I need you walking in with a certain set of skills that we're just not teaching um, in our current system. So that's why the Boys and Girls Club is so important to me um, because we are able to have that flexibility to be able to provide those opportunities um, for our kids. You know, when I was principal at South Central, we had 525 freshmen. How can I do that for 525 freshmen? But then when I look at our numbers of teens, which are middle and high schoolers, it's very doable to give them the exposure that they need. And you can talk to just about anybody, you know, in your circle of friends or people that you talk with. Typically, they had one experience. They had one teacher or one something that put them on the path that they're on. And I want the Boys and Girls Club to be that for our kids that because of having been there, they had an experience that shaped them and, and molded them and put them on the right path. When you were in school. That was a long time ago. <laughs> that was a long time ago, Lamar. But anyway, go ahead with that. <laughs> Did you notice many women pursuing STEM careers? Not at all. Um, you know, back, that was that was quite some time ago. Um, I graduated in the 80s from, from high school. You had a few people that were going, because that was, that was during that time that, you know, computers were coming into to the um, 
uh, forefront. You've had um, uh, a lot of a lot of um, traditional types of things, but I think jobs. But I think one thing is the people that are in the schools that are guiding and directing your you as far as. Um, college choices or career choices like your counselors and your teachers they themselves didn't really know or we now even don't really know the possibilities of all the jobs that are out there in our region you know we have career pathways uh, we have 16 career pathways across the state and in each workforce development region you know you have of those 16 four or five that you can find jobs in that region if you sat down with most people and say, okay, do you know the, the four or five pathways for Eastern North Carolina or for the Western Carolina? A lot of people don't realize that. So when I'm trying to guide and direct you into a career path and you really want to find a job, I need to be well versed on what those things are. So back in the day when I was in school, um, you know, we didn't have those opportunities. I had, you know, we didn't have the internet. Imagine that. We didn't have access to more information um, to even realize what was out there and what was going on. So it was a very different world back then. We didn't, I didn't even have computers, <laughs> you know. When I was going to ECU, I had friends that were in the business department or whatever, and they had to take these big old cards, you know, these punch cards, and go into this huge computer that was in this room about, in a room about this size or even larger to program and to do. And so when you look at where we are now compared to them, holy cow, it's a, it's a huge change. <laughs> so no, there were not that many people going into that field. One important element of keeping students interested in STEM fields is having teachers and instructors that they can relate to and see as role models. One of those instructors is ECU College of Business Associate Professor Dr. April Reed. Dr. Reed teaches in the college's Department of Management Information Systems and organizes an annual STEM camp for the local female students. Dr. Reed, thank you for sharing your experience on STEM with us. Welcome. So, Dr. Reed, what first drew you into the STEM field? So... Sometimes I say it's an accident, but I don't really believe in accidents. I was an education major in my first year of college, and I took an elective in programming on a teletype machine. <laughs> so it's been a while ago, and I learned to program in basic. And when I started taking it, I was hooked. Um, it was fun. It was interesting. It was challenging. And you got immediate results, so you know if you did it right or not. Um, I actually still stayed in education for a while only because there weren't many colleges at that time that had a uh, computer science major. Um, so when I was able to, I finally did. So I actually have a second degree in computer science. What was the field like when you first joined? Were there many other women that you saw? So there were not a lot of women or minorities. In the classes, there were, but when I got into the workplace, there weren't. And so I'm going to say it wasn't that we weren't wanted. I just think we just couldn't get there. Or once we were there, uh, we were limited in numbers, and that might have uh, made some people afraid. My favorite example is I was in a meeting once. This is back in the days when people wore suits to work. So I wore a navy blue suit, just like any other any of the guys did, generally a white shirt. And women had ties, too. They weren't ties like men wore, but they were ties, too. And I was in a meeting. It was me and about 20 other men. It was a meeting about a conversion we were having. And when we got finished, the guy who was running the meeting said, thank you, gentlemen. And I just looked at him. <laughs> so he did not even realize I was there and because they weren't used to that. Have you noticed a change in that since you've been working in the field? 
not younger women. I've noticed more women coming into the field. Mostly what would happen is women who worked in a place, so there were a lot of training programs that companies had because they couldn't find enough qualified people. Um, so a lot of teachers took training programs at companies. Now they quickly ended because it was 16 weeks of paying somebody to train them. Um, so there were a lot of women that worked that weren't making really good salaries and they somehow found out about computer science and they changed fields. So out of, right out of college, no. That took many, many years from what I could see. I would say a good 10 years um, before I started seeing young any young women coming into the field. And then it was very, very slow. So I left industry probably 10 years ago. Um, so I worked in industry a little over 20 years. And even then, there were a few more. Now, our students that we teach in the MIS, they're all over the place. They're getting jobs. Um, they choose from opportunities. They get many offers. So they are definitely getting work when they finish. Are you seeing that the field is much more accepting now than it was back when you first started? Yes. So the females I've had in my classes here, I connected to several of them in LinkedIn, and they're doing all kinds of different technology-related jobs. They're moving up. Um, it's amazing. So I think it's getting a little bit more accepting, but you still have to be pretty strong um, because you're still, still fewer women. Um, so you have to be able to assert yourself without being too aggressive, <laughs> more or less, which you have to be able to push a little bit. You can't just be really quiet. But definitely is changing just from watching our students who've graduated. Now, you said you sort of stumbled into the field. Is that something that you notice with a lot of the women that you work with? I would say 20 years ago, it would be stumbling or seeing that it was a good opportunity and a way to provide for your family, more or less. But now, um, so I would say the females I've seen, because I've taught the software development or programming class here at ECU in our major for several years. Um, we have females who, uh, it's still a little bit by accident. Um, they never heard of MIS and somehow they hear of it or they had a distant family member or a friend or even a parent in that field. But those are the only ones. There are very few who just say, I'm gonna try this. Um, so they have to have had some connection somewhere. Um, so we still are not known as well, hence one of the reasons for the camp. Um, but the diversity of the jobs is, is amazing in this particular field. And speaking of the STEM camp, can you tell me a little bit about the STEM camp that you run? So I host a MIS STEM camp. This year is our third year. Um, and it's MIS because MIS is now well known. So Management Information Systems is MIS. In MIS, you combine computer science with uh, business. So um, I have one degree in computer science and another in information systems. Um, the difference is uh, most females and a lot of other people think that uh, in computer science, you sit in front of a computer all day. Well, in MIS, you don't. In computer science, you may, you may not. But in MIS, you definitely don't. You have to find technological ways to solve some kind of problem. And that can range across the board. Like I said, a lot of our students, male and female, that have graduated keep in contact with us, and their job titles are not even the same because they're... So you can take what you love 
as long as it needs technology, which there's very little that doesn't need technology, whether it be insurance or medical or a little more tech, so you can be as much tech as you want or as little, um, but you have to understand it so you can buy in the two. So there's, so the camp is to introduce students very early in life, um, middle school, to um, MIS and in the form that we have it. So a couple of years ago, Accenture, which is a consulting company, a large consulting company, and Girls Who Code did a very large study. And they found that the number of females, that there was a huge gender gap uh, because the number of females in tech fields was declining. So it was already pretty bad, and now it's getting worse. So that is um, a study that I used to kind of guide my campus to what to do. Their recommendation was to get girls involved in middle school and then to continue to support them through high school and college. I've only gotten to the middle school part, so I got a lot of work to do. <laughs> but we... A lot of the girls that we bring in, we ask them. Um, so we bring in 7th, 8th, ninth, and 10th graders. We ask them what do they think about technology, and a lot of them are kind of afraid of it. They're interested younger, like 5th grade maybe, and a little 6th grade. But something happens when you get to 7th grade, and it's not cool to be tech or, you know, it's nerdy or whatever, and they don't want to do it. So we kind of show them how to code. And we show them how to build a website, but we show them a lot of other things too um, that uh, are a little somewhat cool, more or less. And so they can see it's not just sitting in front of a computer all day. You have to talk to people in MIS because you have to find out what the problem is and you have to talk to them about how to solve it. Why do you think that there is that big drop off in girls' interest around the seventh grade? Is it because they're told so often that computers and video games are boys' things that they feel kind of pushed away from the field? I think somewhat. I think you find more girls playing video games now, but then there's the I think at that time they're going through puberty and it's not cool anymore to be in the sciences or to for some of them or to be smart, and you definitely need to have some intelligence to be able to be in a tech field. So I think there's a lot of different things, um, but I don't think they think they can do it. And when we bring them in and the, the coding is probably the hardest thing we teach them, but we use a language called Alice, which is 3D animation um, and you drag and drop, but it's still coding. There's pieces of code that you have to drag to make your, you make an avatar and you make a scene and your avatar can talk and turn. Well, that's the coding to make it move or to say things. And when we teach them, they learn it very quickly. So we can teach them in about an hour. In fact, it's called Hour of Code. It's a free software that Carnegie Mellon made and it, you can find it online and the tutorial is online, but we teach it to them and they learn it in about an hour, the basics, and then they're able to actually create the tutorial that we teach them. Then we make them do an actual project that they make up their own and create a, a new scene from that. They always, I think, are surprised, many of them, at how well they do, but they learn it. I have very few that have any problems with it, and many who want to do more with it than we teach them. So we teach them the basics, but they want it to make the person run, make them jump, make them do stuff we didn't teach them. So we know they get it and that several of them are interested in them. And sometimes we have to tear them away from the computer because they're still messing around with it. Um, so it, it, it's doable, but they it's a lot of hands-on. We don't do a lot of lecture um, because 
I could tell you all day that you could do it, but that doesn't mean anything unless you try it. So we find that to be very effective. So how do you encourage these younger girls to get into STEM? Do you just tell them it's not as hard as they think, and if they give it a chance, they'll actually enjoy it? So in the camp, um, Alice, we first show them what the whole scene is going to look like, and it's only an hour. So we've got... Uh, we don't have as much attention span problems. <laughs> so we show them what it's going to look like, and then we teach them about 15 minutes of it, then we have them do it. So we teach, do, teach, do for about an hour. Um, we put them in pairs all the time, so there's a lot of support, and I've used pair programming in my classes. So if I put a person who's okay with it and somebody who's really good with it together, they teach each other, um, and they encourage each other. A lot of the girls encourage each other and they're not necessarily from the same areas or they don't know each other. But the students that I have working for me, their job is to go around and also kind of help and encourage them. Um, so I say encouragement is the best tool I've ever found in teaching. So we encourage them no matter what level they're able to do with it. Um, even if they're not really good at it, if you can make one avatar and get it dressed, <laughs> okay, then you did great. Um, so the thing is to feel good about what you did do. This is the first time many college students don't understand. I didn't understand coding in my first class. It, I did it. I passed it, but it went way over my head. But the second time around, it wasn't so bad. So that's our goal here. Introduce them to it enough so that next time they hear the word coding or technology, they're not afraid. They're a little interested and they're willing to try it. How can people help if maybe they know a younger girl who's showing some interest in STEM or if they want to donate in some way? Okay. So if you have a daughter, a niece, a friend, whatever that you think might be interested, there are programs everywhere. Summer programs are real nice because we have a little bit more leeway, and there are programs all over the place. There's a conference I go to called uh, Bridging the Gap um, in Raleigh that is People are doing all kinds of things everywhere. So look for programs in your area, number one. Uh, we will continue to try to run this camp. Uh, for right now, our partner is Boys and Girls Club, so that's how they can um, get to the camp uh, or get a chance to get in the camp for fundraising. So, again, we don't charge them anything because um, they I don't think many of them could afford it. And in fact, we don't actually approach the top end students or the low students. We try to reach the middle students because um, uh, the people in the STEM center, Dr. Sean Moore, talked to me about how it's important to reach the middle students because the other students get a lot of chances. But these students don't. So we're not talking top students that are learning this, which is great. So. We need help <laughs> with fundraising. So we have an account um, here at ECU that you can donate directly into uh, by contacting ECU's MIS STEM account. But we also now are going to have uh, crowdfunding, and our crowdfunding is going to start on June the 14th. And ECU has a new crowdfunding platform that we're going to be on, and we're real excited um, because we haven't done it before, and we're hoping to um, get some funds and um, any amount helps us because it's something we don't have to spend money on. Dr. Reed, thank you very much for your time. You're welcome. Once again, I have been your host, Lamar Gilchrist. Thank you for listening and I'll see you next time.